So welcome to another edition of the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. I am your host, Kyle Bird. With me is my co-host. Why don't you introduce Matt. yourself, sir? <laughs> uh, Matt Parmley. All right. How, how are you today, Matt? I am just peachy. How about you, Bird? I'm wonderful. Um, now with us, we have a very special guest. We have uh, Linda Haynes, who, to listeners of our podcast, would know the best probably from Latitude Zero, the uh, Toho film. Also, a lot of other things. Um, uh, one of my favorites is Rolling Thunder, um, and uh, of course, Coffee, in addition to other movies that we'll discuss as well. So, Linda, first and foremost, thank you so much for joining us. It's an honor. It's a pleasure to have you with us here today. Well, thank you for having me. It's an honor and a pleasure for me to be here, for anyone to remember my performances (laughs) from not long ago. (laughs) Well, I guess I'd like to start out by asking, um, how did you get your start as an actress? I got my start. I never, ever wanted to act. I was very, um, when I was um, very young, my mother thought that it would be a good idea for me to go to an acting class in um, Val Harbor, and uh, which is uh, in uh, a neighborhood in Miami, and um, somewhere on Miami Beach. And um, I had been modeling, and I was okay with that. I did exactly what, you know, what they told me to do, and I was um, really well-behaved. Um, so she thought it would be a good idea for me to uh, go to an acting class. And I went, and I hated it. And apparently, I <laughs> dug my heels in, and I would not go back. I did continue to model until I was about seven years old, and um, then I I started gaining weight. <laughs> they didn't want me to model after that, but um, up until then, from the age of about four until I was about six, I, w- I actually won a trophy in Miami. It was a little bitty plastic trophy for being Miami's top child model and it didn't go any further than that my um career in drama it also involved me being the substitute cinderella in a school play i got my opportunity to to appear on the stage because uh the girl that was playing cinderella got sick (laughs) and um yeah she got sick from the smoke and um like the fog machine, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Whatever they had in those days, and um, so they grabbed me out of the audience and had me get dressed and get up there on stage. And the very first thing I did was forget my whatever it was I was supposed to remember. Whatever few lines it was, I forgot. So I didn't feel like that was for me at all from the very very beginning. It was not for me. The next link in the chain was when I was about, I was 17 years old. 
Um, when I was 16, I ran away from home. Then it didn't seem like it, it didn't seem weird to me at all then. But looking back, oh my God. Um, I was 16 years old and I um, ran away. We flew to Vegas and um, got married uh, <laughs> at a little chapel there. I called home to my um to my mom and I told her I'd gotten uh, that I had gotten married and that I had eloped and it did not go over big. <laughs> yeah, I would not. imagine it probably did not. <laughs> um, and they tried to fight the whole thing. But anyway, we got married and um we went through the court thing with my parents and then I ended up not speaking with my parents for quite for several years um we we moved to los angeles to beverly hills and um we were walking our dog on rodeo drive we were you know like a in the evening and um a guy pulled up in a big white cadillac cadillac um and he opens his he opened his window and said hi my name is ben bard um here's my card i have an acting class and i wondered if you would um if you're interested in coming to my class and i figured okay i'll try it because i didn't have any i didn't finish high school i really didn't know i was like a ship without a sail so I went to Ben's acting workshop and um, uh, we had to learn a scene because eventually he, had, he did something called a showcase. They invited actor uh, agents in there and they, um, I don't know who and all, well, I know there were agents in there. Um, and... Uh, they came to watch the scene, and lo and behold, that is where I got my first agent. And I also got um, a screen test over at 20, 20th Century Fox. They, but uh, uh, it turned out that Richard Zanuck did not like it. And I don't remember experiencing a whole lot of disappointment at that. For me, it was like, I never really wanted this that much anyway. I did get an agent, and his name was Maury Calder. I got my first part in a movie called In Like Flint, and it was a non-speaking role. And I just saw it for the first time in, well, you know, like almost 50 years. I saw it initially. And then I never saw it again, ever. I was supposed to be a girl disguised, it was uh, uh, posing as a boy. And now when I watch what I did, I, I thought, oh my God, what a lousy job I did. Because <laughs> I had these hips. I mean, you could tell it was a female from a mile away. And the way I was standing... No guy ever stands like that. Nobody, only a female could. So I kept on going on interviews. And my second role that I got was the role of Dr. Ann Barton for Latitude Zero, which was quite a, you know, that was quite a leap from a silent part to the part that I had with um, all these great people. I mean, um, 
Joseph Cotton was uh, Dick Jekyll and um, Cesar Romero and uh, Pat Medina. These are mega stars. And just to think, um, uh, what how lucky I was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. It's quite a quite an experience. Um, it's kind of infamous these days because uh, the the it was a co-production with an American company, and I guess their financing fell through. Uh, what do you remember about that situation? What was was that behind the scenes stuff uh, evident to you um, when you were making the movie, and just what what was it like to go through? A situation where you know it was one of your first movies, and half of the funding is falling through, and you know these two companies have to like be at odds with each other. Essentially, Joseph Cotton was the spokesperson for all of us because I wouldn't have known what to say, even if I would have known had a good um, handle on what was going on. I was so green. I mean, I had never been away from home, not in, not under those circumstances before. Um, and I just like kind of didn't know mm-hmm. anything about, you know, I expected my, I guess I expected my agent to handle it. And um, I don't even remember if he ever said anything <laughs> about it, but I do remember that Joe, Joseph Cotton was the one that um that took over on behalf mm-hmm. of all of us well yeah i guess none of you guys got paid when they actually made the movie they pretty much had to say we have to pay you after because all the there's no money left is was something like that right um yes i'm sure that that is what happened but uh, the fact of the matter was we must have gotten our per diem because i don't remember being broke I don't know, really, it, it all blew over, whatever it was, yeah. um, because I didn't suffer. Of course, we were treated really, really well. We, um, you know, we stayed at, was it the Tokyo Palace? I just remember having a good time and going shopping. And um, I guess when I, you know, really stretched my memory, uh, there was talk about, you know, getting on the plane and going home and stuff like that because they weren't paying. But, um, you know, whatever whatever it was blew over. Mm-hmm. But it was, you know, I would not have wanted to be there under those circumstances without Joseph Cotton speaking on my behalf because I, God knows what I would have done. I was, you know, 20... I had my 21st birthday over there, and um, so I had—I was really green. I didn't know anything. We stayed the whole time, just like um, we had agreed to do, and uh, we had Christmas there, and then New Year's. We had a really nice New Year's dinner, and um, so that was... That was how it went. Mm-hmm. Um, that one was interesting. There's been a few of these American-Japanese co-productions, and usually everyone speaks their native language, and they dub it over depending on you know what country it's being released in. Uh, but this one was interesting that the Japanese actors all had to learn their English phonetically. Um, what was the language barrier like on the set? Did it cause any trouble or anything that you remember? No, not at all. 
no trouble for me. <laughs> they may have been frustrated, you know, on the other side trying to communicate mm-hmm. with me. I, I'm sure they were actually because I, again, I was really green at what I was doing, and um, they they had two translators. Um, it was uh, Henry Son was the male translator, and I cannot remember the female's name. And she was so good, and she was so nice, and I just simply can't remember um, uh, what his, what their names were. Um, I don't remember his last name, but um, Masumi Okada, one of their Japanese actors, he spoke perfect English. Okay. And Akira Takarada, mm-hmm. um, he he had trouble with English at that point. Um, now, of course, he speaks much better English. Right. And I it was so cool to uh, meet him a few years ago for for he and I to meet up again was like wow. Yeah, I, that's that's really cool. Um, yeah, we'll get back to. I do want to get back to Takarada and the in your co stars. Um, with but with them learning the language phonetically, uh, do you recall if they needed a lot of um, coaching between takes or anything, or if if any of the the dialogue coaching held up any shooting, or was it mostly smooth? And that by the time they'd walked onto the set, they had kind of had a grasp of it. I think by the time they. Uh, walked onto the set they had a grasp of it because i don't remember them you know watching them suffer through and trying to eke out their lines um i do yeah i kind of maybe i remember akira takarada um he he, you know they probably did have to put a little extra effort with him mm-hmm. because he he didn't know English at that point. Well, Takarada has a lot of dialogue in that too. It's interesting you say that because he in the movie is pretty his is pretty good. I don't remember watching them and uh, you know like feeling sympathy that he was suffering because he couldn't get his lines out or anything. Um, I think I was I think that I was the most problem laden person there <laughs> and again I, I didn't know anything about acting and really never cared about it um i don't think i've ever told i've never shared that with um anyone before about my early early times with acting and how i felt about it and how i dug my heels in and would never do it so i was really not a natural i and i remember well it's not only in my in latitude zero but in other uh roles i remember the actor the director saying well and i don't know if um honda san he would you know very quietly talk with me and he would you know motion with his hand so he was really great at conveying what it was that he wanted without being able to speak English. You know, I I was so uneasy um, with acting, and um, I was so unsure of myself. And <laughs> Pat Medina, of course, was totally the opposite. She was very sure of herself, and um, she was so much, she was, really was fun. She and I had gone shopping, and... Um, um mrs Sherdeman had gone with us and uh at one point i had said something to 
Patricia about, well, I want something like, oh, I wonder if the actresses will have to, will, will be going to whatever it was. I referred to us as the actresses. And she, in her British accent, turned and said, well, as far as I'm concerned, there's only one actress on this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not you. <laughs> so I know that I suffered, um, you know, with uh, being totally unsure and being self-conscious. But they managed to get me to do whatever, you know, whatever it was that they wanted. I had uh, at other times I had I had directors say to me, uh, more energy. Could you put more energy into that? And um of course, that never does work because it just doesn't really make sense. It just still doesn't make sense to me today. Eventually, that went away. That went away. They, you know, as I went on, because um, I guess I finally learned how to um, portray whatever it was that you know I needed to do, and um, then I was just totally self-conscious <laughs> and um i noticed and stiff i guess stiff is what i when i see that movie today i see that i was stiff in what i was doing which kind of works because you know like i if i was supposed to be a doctor um they don't usually they they're not um you know they're somewhat dignified Traditionally, I guess they are. <laughs> so moving away from the actors for, for a minute, we're going to come back to that because I think we both have questions um, there. But what were your impressions of the sets, the set pieces themselves? Um, do you also remember filming any scenes with the, the monster suits? And do you have any memories of the special effects crews that you might have worked with? Um, at, at the time, I didn't realize just how um, I do. Re I remember the submarine that they had the um, the miniature miniature uh, submarine and um, uh, on the sea, and they had built that on the set, and it was pretty amazing um, what they were doing. Most of the time, when those things were being filmed i didn't uh, i wasn't a part of it because it it was um pat medina and cesar romero that they were working with the uh costume um um the lion and um i forget what they were the um they like the well, they had the bats and they Bat, had the yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um did you ever get to meet uh haru nakajima um, he, you know, he played Godzilla, but he also played some of the monsters in that film. He's, um, did you ever have a chance to meet Nakajima at all? I did, but just, uh, unfortunately, yeah, they, um, they, well, I met him finally. Well, I did meet him in, uh, Tokyo then, but I really got to meet him just a few years ago at the convention in Orlando. And he was so sweet, and he was, I mean, he was really in great shape, and um, it was really a pleasure to meet him there, because um, way back when we did Latitude Zero, um, I didn't really, I guess when he was working, he was in costume, and um, when we were not working, it was like 
um, like at the party, I think the we had par- a party, several parties, and um, also the um, we have a cast picture where everyone is put together, the crew and cast. Um, so it it was it was very nice, and I really it was really really great to meet him um, um, three years ago in Orlando because we actually got to talk and so on. It was really neat to see someone after all those years, and he was amazing that he was in such great shape. It's great that you got to, I guess, kind of have that moment. I mean, you know, he he just passed away a few months ago, so he did, yeah. yeah. I was sorry to hear that, um, but he certainly um, he gave a lot of people a lot of um, pleasure in what he did throughout all these years that, with the roles that he played. Um, you talked a little bit about uh, Ishiro Honda as um, as a director, and uh, was there anything additional you wanted to say? Um, one thing that I. Uh, um, just last week, his first English language biography came out, and it's a it's a really dense book on his life and career. And I'm actually in the Latitude Zero section right now, and uh, they tell a story about um, the bathtub scene and how the American producers really wanted you to to do a nude scene there. And um, not only does it sound like you were uncomfortable with that, but it sounds like Honda didn't really like it either as you know uh it was a movie that kids would be watching and there was a little bit of headbutting there uh do you remember anything about that scene uh, was it awkward what exactly was going on there well it was awkward um for me I, that that's interesting i didn't know that he took that stance um because i I, I, you know, I couldn't understand what they were saying when they were speaking Japanese. So, but that that's very um, interesting that he, yeah, he no, didn't. It's, um, it's in know, book. Yeah, he, uh, he, book. he had your yeah, he had your back. Um, yeah, he said that uh, it's a movie that kids were going to watch, and he really was not uh, happy with it. Um, yeah, okay, I actually have the page right in front of me. The assistant director. Uh, Mr. Tani recalled, they wanted to show that there is no shyness here, that there would be no elephant, uh, bleh, I'm sorry, element of embarrassment between men and women, but Honda said no, son said no, we have to show this film in Japan as well. There were talks about shooting an alternate version, um, and uh, yeah, he said that this was a movie that kids would be seeing, and he, he didn't feel like it was appropriate for what he wanted to do with that movie. So he had, he had your back there. Well, that was good, yeah, because they were, um, it seems like that's kind of a common thing where they um, put in nudity or sex, and of course it sells more tickets depending on, um, you know, where they might um, use, you know, use it. But anyway, I, at that time, I didn't want to be nude. I stuck with my point of view, and I, and... (laughs) <laughs> the weird thing was they put some kind of um, foam rubber. They glued some kind of foam rubber pads to my breasts. And they um, put makeup on that so it would just blend in to my skin. 
so that's how we shot it. But the, now, but since then, of course, when I see the movie, I don't see that they ever used anything like that. They didn't use the footage. Yeah. Oh, wow. So they actually shot the scene. I didn't realize that. They did, yeah, because I thought that was kind of perverse. It's like, yeah, putting um, foam rubber <laughs> is just like that, you know, it's kind of weird. So, um, I don't know. I don't know what they it must have ended up on the cutting room floor because um, unless there's somebody has like a secret version somewhere. <laughs> which, just for humor's sake. I've had that happen another time, too, where all of a sudden they... Well, later on, it hadn't really we hadn't really gotten into the 70s yet, where, you know, nudity was uh, so commonplace. Oh, yeah. You, you mentioned that they uh, they threw you a, a birthday party. Um, do, you, do you have any clear memories of that party and, and who was there and... and... I guess how you spent your twenty-first birthday, which is a lot different from how most people do, I would imagine. Absolutely, absolutely. It was a beautiful little party in one of the um, offices at Toho uh, at the studio, and um, it was they had the table set up in, um, I, I think, a U-shaped. Um, fashion or all the way around the room um i have pictures from it joseph cotton and pat medina and um the the actors and um um director the the main uh the producer um tanaka tanaka san was there and they brought in you know a cake it was really really nice yeah, it was uh, that was very very nice of them to do that, and I I luckily have pictures of that, which is really nice to look back at. Um, I don't remember going out and um, you know drinking like um, I guess most people do when they when they're twenty one. I certainly didn't go and get loaded. Um, <laughs> I know you said that you had had a chance to visit the. Um some of the effects sets. Did you ever actually get to interact with A.G. Tsuburaya, who was in charge of the special effects and miniature sets? No, I didn't, um, because I... Um, now, of course, I would jump at a chance to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, you know, I kind of just did what was required of me, and I wasn't... I just kind of... I, I think I felt that I had enough... Um, just doing my job and I, I wasn't curious about you know what was going on when when I didn't have to work which is a shame because there's so many missed opportunities and you know just for me uh, being as young as I was and um, probably probably just not really being interested in it it's unfortunate that I um, you know those all those opportunities not only that but opportunities to sightsee in in uh, Japan were just missed because I at the time I wasn't interested. 
but um, that's the way it is. So, uh, you talked about uh, Akira Takarada, um, and you said that you know he, he he was struggling in learning some of the lines. But uh, beyond that, do you have any memories of him on the set? Uh, and furthermore, you did mention uh, that you had a chance to reconnect with him at, at a recent convention. Uh, what was that like? And just what what are your impressions of of Mr. Takarada? Well, he was very friendly and sweet, you know, while we were working together. Um, there, You know, nobody, I don't remember anyone ever being, uh, and I know he was a big star uh, in Japan, and in, uh, but he, he was certainly um, very down-to-earth and cordial and... You know, he was very, very nice, um, and he did his job. As far, I don't remember, you know, anything um, happening that his um, that pre- that he couldn't speak English didn't present any problem that I remember. Um, he, you know, things went along very smoothly. So um, it could be also um, Asumi Okada. He spoke um, really good English, so he may have been able to help because they had a lot of scenes together. Mm. He probably um, that made it easier for um, Akira-san to to um, do his job. Uh, well, speaking of Okada, uh, well. Both him and, uh, you know, Richard Jekyll, of course, um, being able to speak perfect English. Did you have a little bit closer camaraderie with them? Uh, What was the experience like working with those two actors? Well, it was very good. Very good. They were, um, again, no one had an ego that um, made uh, life um, difficult. Um, And... Uh, Dick Jekyll had been in Japan um, many times uh, before, so he enjoyed. He just enjoyed being there. Was very familiar with with uh, Japan and the people, so he he was totally at home. So let's talk about Caesar Romero, uh, who I fondly remember from the '60s Batman show. Right. Um, <laughs> he just seems larger than life. Can you can you? elaborate on maybe what working with him was like um i just remember in the movie there's like an opening scene and he's just laughing and that gets me every time i see it um so what can you tell us about him oh with his yeah well they were supposed to i didn't um work with them firsthand because again they you know that was um there was like the good and the bad and he was on the bad team with um pat medina um, but he, I did, of course, meet him during the parties that we had, and um, and he was uh, he was larger than life and very warm and charming. Yeah, I wish that I could have worked with him somewhere along the line, but I didn't. But I did, you know, just meeting him and um, listening to him um, and experiencing. Uh, being around these people was uh, really something uh, that I I remember um, because they were larger than life. So by this point, I think Joseph Cotton and Pat Medina were actually married. I always kind of wondered what it would be like to work on, like work with your significant other on a movie set. Like, was there any 
I don't know, tension. Cause like for me, I like going to work and my wife and I enjoy the space apart and it's always better when we come back together. You know, it's one of those things, but I can't imagine working being married. Cause I think they got married in the early, uh, seventies or six, I'm sorry, sixties at this point. So uh, did you notice any issues between them or what was working, you know, alongside cotton and Pat Medina? Um, they were very comfortable working together and I got the feeling, well, she took care of him and, um, I could see that she was she was very sweet with him and took care of him, made sure that he was comfortable, and he in turn uh, seemed to be you know protective and um, uh, there it seemed as though their roles were quite traditional, but they were I didn't see any kind of arguing or fighting or ego. I would say that I don't know if they ever did work together on any other movies. But um, with, in this one, they, it worked really well. Latitude Zero is a pretty crazy movie, even by Toho standards, with all the, the, the stuff that went on and the, you know, losing half the funding and things. When you saw the movie the first time, what did you think? And what did you think the last time that you watched it? Has your opinion of the film changed? Yes. Um, the, the first time I ever saw it was in a little theater in Santa Monica. And um, I thought I thought that it was um, really silly. And, <laughs> it and is. <laughs> apparently, I wasn't the only one that thought that because there were a lot of kids in in the theater, and um, I, whatever their comments or laughter or whatever their reaction was, they thought it was ludicrous. <laughs> and, um, and that's the way it was then. Now, when I watch the movie, I'm surprised that it's as popular as it is. I mean, people, I was surprised that people remembered it and that they've seen, you know, that they had seen it. And, um, and, and very, I'm very uh, pleased that uh, people like it as much as they do. Um, I was really surprised, I have to say, because, um, I figured, oh, well, well, I figured the same thing about all the movies that I had been in that, you know, there was no, none of them were really, um, I didn't think that any of them were really a big hit when they came out. Um, so I'm surprised that, that there are people remember these things and that they actually, you know, uh, look at them years after all these years and that they remember me is, blows my mind well we're going to talk about some of the american films uh here in a second um and i can tell you i think kyle and i both really love rolling thunder i actually just watched that this week and i it was great i had a great time watching it um but can you tell us maybe what some of the differences uh that you noticed between filming on a japanese movie set and, and how american movies are made i can't remember i i don't I don't think that, you know, outside of the obvious things like, you know, having translators and so on, um, the the big difference for me was that I finally learned a craft. So acting became easier for me because I, I learned how to get over self-conscious anxiety. So that was that was like the the. The biggest difference for me, not so much the set or what, you know, 
direction or people or I mean, that they kind of has always gone the uh, the same way. Okay. Matt just mentioned Rolling Thunder, uh, which is I really like a lot of those like gritty kind of post Vietnam seventies movies, and that's one of the the really good ones. Um, what was uh, your re- when you first read that? Because it's it's a pretty strong it's strong stuff. What was your reaction when you first read the script for that movie? Um, I don't know if I actually um, kind of whatever I read. I my point of view was one of really focusing on um, my role and probably whether I liked the script or I didn't like Mm -hmm. it. It wasn't really, um, I didn't really read, I don't know, I don't really remember having a, um, an opinion as far as, uh, you know, that, that one or any of the other ones. I don't like reading plays or scripts. Okay. I like like I like James Michener where they're long paragraphs. So I'm not really um I like to picture things. Um I like descriptive. So I that's why essentially for me I would read a script and try to get the gist of what was required from me and what was going on, you know, in the and the story um generally. Okay. So, um, and it's interesting. Well, Latitude Zero, you uh, were directed by Ashiro Honda, who's actually my favorite director. His movies mean a lot to me. Uh, now, as far as screenwriters go, my favorite screenwriter is probably Paul Schrader, who had written Rolling Thunder. Did you ever get a chance to meet him or interact with him, or was he mostly hands off um, after you know they had they had started shooting and and rewriting the script? He was hands off after we started shooting. I remember um, Bill Devane saying that, and uh, saying that he thought that I should um, that that my whatever name was. Um, it was Linda. My char- <laughs> Your character's name was. Linda. All right. Yeah. Oh, no wonder I can't remember. <laughs> um, he thought that that I should go with them in the end of the movie. And um, um, so that, I don't know, that was his point of view. And I just figured this is up to them. Whatever they want to do in this movie is okay with me. I'm not the writer. So I was, um, I just essentially took direction. And, um, but I never did meet Paul Schrader. That I can remember. How were how? I mean, this is both of these guys in their very early careers. How were William Devane and Tommy Lee Jones uh, on that set? And you know, back then, they were fun. They were, um, you know, it was very comfortable to work with them. Down to earth, decent um, people, and. Uh, um, Bill Devane was, you know, he seemed like he was opinionated. He wanted certain things, you know, um, that he thought should go a certain way or, um, um, and he made it known and, um, and I was okay with me. I didn't, uh, I was just there to do my job. Um, Tommy Lee Jones he was um very smart i remember he he was um very intelligent and um 
kind of quiet and nice and um I don't know. It was easy to work with with them. Well, I, Tommy Lee Jones, I didn't have any scenes with. I don't remember having any scenes with him where we had any, you know, like dialogue together. Yeah, I, you don't. But, I, um, yeah, if if you do, it's not much. It would be like totally in, kind of insignificant. But um, it was really a fun movie. I I remember, you know, it was um, a lot of action and. Um, that movie would be my favorite one. It's really good. What was um do you have any recollection of just what John Flynn the director was was like uh on set and how he uh you know got performances out of people and directed the movie? Yeah, he was um the, well I I got along with all the directors that were kind of quiet and um I think they had a certain, you know, like they're sensitive. They were those kind of a directors made it easy for me to deliver what it was that they needed from me. Were they um, someone who was demanding and um, impatient? Uh, I would not have done fared well uh, or as well with a director that was like that um i needed someone that you know could kind of talk to me um talk to me quietly and told you know tell me what uh, what they wanted and uh and he was able to do that as were many other ones too so um yeah that that kind of jives that kind of jives with what you were saying about honda too just he was like that absolutely yeah, Stanley Kramer I worked with, and he was, well, he had quite a bit of, um, he had a task of directing a lot of men in the, that court-martial um, series, um, that, and, uh, well, so I don't know, he, um, he was kind of a little bit of a different type of person, and, and he was a great director, and I liked him very much, he was just different, so... So moving on to uh, a movie I actually just watched recently, Human Experiments, uh, 1979. You played the character Rachel Foster, and it's you know it's a leading role for you. Um, for the audience out there, this movie is sort of um, famous for being semi banned in the uh, in the United Kingdom. It was on the uh, what they call the video nasty list. Were you aware of that at all, Linda? Have you heard this before? I yeah, I did. I was aware of it, but then I quickly kind of forgot it because. I didn't think that that movie, um, I don't know why they would ban it, because it <laughs> well, didn't me, have anything that severe in it. Yeah, let me give you some other films that were on this list, by the way. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 1982's The Thing, uh, Dawn of the Dead, Friday the 13th, Parts 1 and 2. So like, they were just kind of banning, I would say, typical everything. cinema. <laughs> yeah, everything that's, that I love. <laughs> um, yeah, that's like really bizarre, because none of those movies were that severe yeah um one of the things that this movie is also noted for is your bug scene which i gotta say um that creeped me out i don't know how you did that because i mean those were all live insects were they not they were and um the bug wrangler they called that guy that had all those bugs and um well, I don't know how I did it either because 
I don't know if I could do it today. I did say that um, they were not allowed to use any, like, Florida cockroaches, you know, like palmetto bugs that we have here in Florida, because that's, like, totally disgusting to me. I, um, but you were okay with the giant tarantulas on your back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was, because they put them there. I, you can actually feel their weight. Uh, and um, and I knew where they were, so I I didn't want to squash them, you know, because I had to crawl through that um, the air sure. duct. Yep. So it was actually having the big bugs on me was um, a lot easier than having the um, crickets. I guess they use crickets when they were dumping them through the. Um, Dumping them off the uh, scaffolding uh, onto me and Greg Goodell. Um, wow. That was really creepy because you can only take so much of that before yeah. you really do flip out for real. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was flipping I, out for you. I couldn't. Uh, ugh, ugh, no thanks. Yeah, well, you know, it's kind of a, you know, well, there's. I don't know. It was, um, I kind of think that it was, I don't know why. I just said, yeah, I'll do that. You know, I, it's kind of hard for me to, um, to understand, you know, where my thinking was, but I figured, well, um, that's how I was then. And of course it didn't kill me. Um, so, but it, it was, um, I did tell Greg, I said, well, you, I can't go on with this forever. I said, you've got one more chance <laughs> to get whatever it is you need. And he went in with a handheld camera and, um, and he got what he needed. And I, you know, I was really hysterical for real. So that worked. Um, How was uh, this role different from... Maybe some. This was your leading role. So, is there any big differences between this and maybe some of the other um, roles that you played in your career? Well, I like the fact that there was um, it, uh, there were lots of um, different um, demands as far as um, you know emotions go, and um, there was um, I had to sing and entertain, which I can't sing at all. But I said that, yeah, I can sing, which is true. I just didn't say I can't sing. I cannot sing well. So um, they had, as it turned out, a, a lady by the name of Linda Handelman um, who did the actual singing, and I lip-synced. And the funny thing was that when I was, my first husband's name was Handelman, and so my name for real was Linda Handelman at one point. We had already gotten divorced, and that's why I got the name of Haynes, because Ben Bard said that, well, why don't you pick another last name to use tonight um, for this showcase? Um, just pick a name with, it starts with H, and uh, lo and behold, um, 50 years later, I'm still using the la the name Linda Haynes. Well, in you know, at least for residuals for um, 
you know, they, they come in that name. But um, I thought that that was kind of different for me to do a role like that. Plus all the uh, the other stuff, the um, uh, hysteria, and uh, you know, it just it, it allowed me to um, do a lot of things that a wide range of uh, emotions, you know, through that film. And uh, I think it worked out okay. I got I won an award. For best actress and um so that was kind of a big deal uh, another movie i want to bring up is uh the black exploitation classic coffee directed by another director i really like personally which is jack hill um was he similar to what you were saying about you know um honda and flynn was he more kind of that quiet introverted type or was he a little different what what was jack hill like as a director well i don't remember having that much content i'm sure that he was um kind of like that but there was so much action in that film that essentially he kind of we blocked out what we were gonna do because pam and i were fighting and she was pretty she had um dumped guacamole on me (laughs) was um, was that in the script someone wanted me to ask you if that was in the script yeah it was it was, and we did that for real. The only thing I didn't do was the flying over the table. They had a stunt woman okay. that um, took that fall, which was really good. It was so much action, so kind of things took care of themselves as far as acting went. Yeah. Um, any any memories or, or thoughts um, on what it was like working with uh, Pam Greer or, uh, or Sid Haig? Yeah, well, they were, you know, really um, nice and um, normal. I wish I could go back and do it again. It would be so much fun to really talk to these people Mm -hmm. more than I did because I was, I remember feeling uncomfortable when I was doing that movie. I remember being nervous when I did coffee. And um, it, it could have been because it was a lot of time for me to wait it was a lot of waiting going on a lot of setup and so on i remember feeling tired and kind of nervous but that probably all disappeared when i got in the fight with uh pam greer because <laughs> then you have no longer have time to be nervous or, right but um it was fun it was fun i know that uh brubaker i understand is your least favorite film is that correct why, why is that because I didn't really get hooked into a character. It was because I felt like I did a bad job. For some reason, I didn't um, develop a character. And I'm sure that I I just didn't bother to do what I was supposed to do. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any fond memories of working with Robert Redford or in this Morgan Freeman? Did you did you get a chance to, to talk with him? I got a chance to to talk with Robert Redford um, because he had told they made an announcement on the set that anyone that asks for his autograph will be fired. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, so we were not going to go and be bothering him. Um, but as it turned out, I did the part that um, 
you know, I did what I was told to do. And I finished shooting my part, and then I went and um, knocked on his uh, trailer or his RV, and I asked him for his autograph because my sisters really liked him. And um, so I guess I, you know, I figured, well, they can fire me if they want to because now I'm already finished doing what it was. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm finished shooting my role. And he, of course, he gave, he signed the pictures and, um, you know, uh, wrote to Yvonne and Yvette and signed his name. So he, he was not at all um, irritated or anything. He was, he was glad to do that. So I don't know. I guess the, it's just, it would really be um, kind of a hassle if you had to sign a bunch of autographs and then try to concentrate on your work. So I don't know. I don't know why they why they said that, but anyway, that's what happened, and um, nothing bad happened to me. So he was nice. He he was certainly nice. I don't remember anyone in Hollywood being anything but nice. I really had an easy time with um, with everyone that I worked with. Well, that actually segues into um, my next question, which is what factors and, and why did you um you know kind of leave acting as a career what what persuaded you to do that i thought well i was in my early 30s and um i thought you know i really would like to have kids and um there was a problem with that though and that was because and uh i would you know drank a lot with uh, i was married i had gotten remarried and um we lived um, comfortably, and um, I uh, had gotten into drinking, and um, it, it was really, you know, uh, it got to be a problem. Oh, it's a disease. Um, alcoholism is a disease. And um, so I decided I um, needed to stop. It was not something that was so very popular to admit to in those days. Um, since then, um, people, you know, uh, half of half, if not more of Hollywood, uh, you know, has gone to rehab. <laughs> not, that's a total exaggeration, but it's kind of funny because um, uh, many people that I knew have, you know, gone into rehab since since I left. So anyway, I um, decided that that I wanted to have a baby, but I knew the only that way that I could do that was to get clean and sober. And um, I was told by people that I thought were experts in that field that I would be very difficult for me to get sober if I were was going to continue acting. And I um, decided just to change my whole life. I got sober and um, I got pregnant. I got married, remarried and got pregnant. And um, um, I changed everything. And um, I learned a whole new way to make um, a living. And um, um, that's why I left. I think that it certainly is possible to be an actor and um, not drink and, and do a, a far better job, actually, at, at one's work and um, in every aspect of living. 
Anyway, I learned to be initially a, a legal secretary. I had to learn something really fast. Um, I had to get my GED, and then I learned uh, to be a legal secretary. I went to work for attorneys in Miami. And I did that for years and years and years. I was a uh, legal assistant and learned a lot and stayed sober and um, brought up my son. So all of that worked out really well. Well, congratulations on, you know, getting sober and making those positive changes. Uh, I mean, I've known a lot of alcoholics, friend, or friends and family over the years, and it's it's not easy. So, yeah, I just want to take a moment and say congratulations because that's definitely not something that you know you can do with the snap of your fingers yeah yeah it was the right decision and um um you know i'm i'm happy that i i made that decision but i'm very happy with the way life turned out and um you know i have a really a great you know son and I'm very happy, though, that people remember, you know, as far back as they do remember me from way back then. So uh, I read in a previous interview that you said, um, essentially, if you were cast in a film today, the roles that you would be offered would be totally different from what you played in the past. Um, can you maybe yeah, elaborate on that? Sure. <laughs> because of age, for one thing. <laughs> no, I just mean, like, if you could go back in time. Um, you know, but it was like today and you could start over and you were an, an actress. Do you feel like the roles that you'll be offered now maybe be different from what you did then? Well, probably because I have, um, you know, I have changed and, there, you know, um, I, um, I know so much more today. I mean, cause we only have. The only thing I could bring to the table is who I am. Um, I can't really pull a character or traits of a character from, you know, thin air. You only can work with what you have. So um, I'm sure that the roles would be different today. Although I look back on the roles that I had, which were frequently kind of victim uh, you know, uh, roles, you know, a female victim, and um, that was really prevalent. And um, today I look at it and I say, well, um, oh, that's okay. That works. You know, it was uh, somebody had to do that role. So not everyone can be Meryl Streep. So I would, you know, I'd be happy doing that too if if that were possible, which it isn't because... It's just not going to, you know, too much, too much water under the bridge. Mm -hmm. Well, I understand that at one point, uh, Quentin Tarantino, who you've starred in many of his favorite movies, I'd, I'd imagine, uh, was trying very hard to find you. Uh, and he eventually asked you to be in an episode of ER that he was directing. Uh, how did he end up finding you? And why exactly did you turn the role down? Well, because... I w didn't know who he was, number one, because I um, I just didn't know who he was. And at the time, I, I was um, living in the Bahamas. Uh, I was married again. My uh, ex-husband and I had gotten married for the second time. Um, and we were living, we were splitting our time between um, an island uh, in the Exuma 
islands over there and here uh, in Bonita Springs. Um, and all of a sudden, I just got a call from someone that I hadn't, I really didn't know who he was. I guess the Screen Actors Guild called me and said, can we give your number? And I said, yes. So then when he, his office called, um, I didn't really know who he was. And it was, um, it just seemed like a, like a lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. And I was used to doing snorkeling in the Bahamas and having a pretty easy life. <laughs> right. I was not working as a legal assistant and, you know, about that time. But had I known who he was, um, you know, had I known then what I know now, I would have said, yeah, sure. I'll, you know, they wanted me to interview. They wanted me to fly to L.A. and interview for the role. And um, I didn't really feel like doing that it was a lot of trouble for me to do that. A while after that, I did try to get a hold of him. I wrote him a letter and I tried to call and he didn't respond because he had gone on to other things. Mm -hmm. um, so if he, if he were to ask you again, do you think you would you would accept? Yeah, absolutely. I would. Why not? <laughs> I don't have anything to lose, but I don't think he's going to be banging down my door anymore. Has but, anyone um, also uh, has anyone else approached you about uh, about acting nowadays? And I mean, um, is it something that you would like to do, or is it a case like like in Quentin's case? Is it a case where it's like you know it would have to be the right person and the right kind of situation? Yeah. Well, the same thing, of course, applies because I'm limited in what I can do physically today i had lots and lots of back surgery and hip replacement and so on so um you know i'm limited physically um and uh and then um you know my age is another factor um although a lot of people i see a lot of people they're uh they you know they're tooling around and they're much older than i am but um i um don't I'm not able to to do that much because of um the problems I've had physically um mm -hmm. but anyway yeah I would if I could uh, I guess like Perry Mason he had it knocked when he could um tool around in his wheelchair I'm not in a wheelchair but um it, that but anyway I um yeah that I I love the craft of acting um and I think that that would be really interesting and have even thought about um, uh, kind of running a, a workshop and um, teaching the people the things that I learned that made life easier for me as an actor, actress. Well, um, one of the, well, the, kind of our final topic here, and one of the things that you are busy with on and off is um, uh, going to conventions and meeting fans of these old movies. You will be at the Chiller Theater Convention uh, in Persephone, New Jersey from October 27th to October 29th. So anyone listening in the area, please stop by and say hello to Linda. Um, but Linda, what, I, I think um, it's probably just been within the last few years uh, that you've gotten to attend these conventions. And I know earlier we talked a little bit about how you were finally able to, after all these years, get to spend some time with uh, Nakajima-san and reconnecting with uh, Takarada. Um, but just overall, how how have you liked making the rounds at, at different conventions and and meeting people that 
um, you know, remember these movies that I'm sure you thought were much less popular or not remembered as well. Um, how do you like going to those shows? Well, I really enjoy it because um, I never even knew that they had conventions like that. And the people, I mean, it's really an exciting thing because people, they get dressed up and they come around. They're so friendly. And, um, you know, it's so fun, so much fun to meet people that are interested in um and this and to see all the people that are there all the other people that are there um i had got to see i got to meet robert england Freddie, for the first yeah. time <laughs> and I, it was like um and he came over to me he came to me and said um oh i enjoyed your work and i thought he knows who i am I thought that was very odd, but and then come it came to find out that he speaks Swedish and um, and that was my first language. I learned Swedish before I ever learned um, English, and um, so I wanted. And I'm hoping that I get to meet up with him again so I can um, speak Swedish with him. <laughs> but I thought it was like. It was so cool, like Freddy Krueger yeah, actually awesome. came up to me because <laughs> I thought, you know, it should be the opposite way around. But he and his wife were in Orlando doing that convention and um, all the people there, they were, you know, with their costumes. It's a really exciting, fun thing to do. And we've been treated really, really nice. Um, so I'm looking forward to, to doing this. And traveling to New Jersey um, to do this. So, aside from uh, Nakajima and Takarada, have you had a chance to reconnect with any of your old co-stars in the convention circuit? Uh, like I know Sid Haig does a lot of them. Have you had a chance to catch up with any of your old co-stars? Um, no, the only one was um, the you know the two from Latitude Zero. Mm -hmm. um, but the, those so far, that's. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sure there'll be some, because looking at your filmography is like, you had a brief run, but I mean, geez, you've worked with legendary directors like Jack Hill, Ashiro Honda, uh, yeah. Robert Redford, <laughs> uh, I know. Tommy it's, Lee, it's, the actress, Tommy Lee Jones, uh, Paul Newman in The Paul Drowning Newman, Pool. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> it's, it's pretty incredible, yeah. you know, just that small handful of movies and you've worked with all these legends. I know, I know. It's I'm I'm very blessed. I have to say I'm very very blessed to have, have gotten to work with these people. So, yeah, I look forward to um to going to the convention, the Chiller convention. Yeah. Um that that hits a lot of the the big notes we wanted to touch on. Matt, anything else you want to go over? No, is was there anything you wanted to say, Linda? We're we're still all no, ears. No. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm I'm good. I just um, you know, wanted to thank both of you, and thank you, listeners. Um, I had a good time. You brought back a lot of memories for me that um, <laughs> I hadn't thought of. 
Yeah, well, thank you for being on. Uh, it's a pleasure. And um, we're just glad that, that people want to come on our show and talk about this stuff because it's it's always fun for um, Bird and I to to learn about how these films were made and learn about the people who were part of that process. So thank you so much. Yeah. Okay. And, All and right. My pleasure. It's gratifying for us as fans to see you guys go to the conventions and enjoy like the fanfare because... I mean, it's like you said, a lot of the Latitude Zero, uh, Rolling Thunder, like you didn't think people remembered these movies, but they do, and they mean a lot to people. And to kind of see you guys come to the, that realization and kind of enjoy it with the fans through the convention circuit and stuff, it's just really cool for us to see, too. Um, and, you know, we really appreciate um, that going to these conventions is something you like to do and you know it it really is uh uh really special for us so thank you as well oh well yeah again thank you and i look forward to being there and doing and doing any other ones too that i'm invited to because um i have a good time all right well um yeah, that probably wraps us up. Are you are you going to be at the convention in um, New Jersey? Unfortunately, I will not be able to make it. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, I'm I'm out here in Detroit. Matt's in Ohio, uh-huh. um, and uh, I've already used a lot of my time off to go to other conventions. <laughs> so, yeah, right. But, okay. Yeah, but no, I mean, any anytime someone invites you out here in our neck of the woods, uh, please. Um, I'll I'll be there and oh okay uh, yeah, yeah I hope I get invited <laughs> yeah um but uh yeah again for the listeners Chiller Theater if you're in that uh, area if you're in New Jersey go say hi to Linda October 27th through 29th she'll be hanging out stop by and say hello uh, Linda you've been uh, an absolute pleasure uh, and thank you so much and thank everyone for listening thank you.